You're listening to a Stranger Podcast, www.thestranger.com. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual harmony, well, there's nothing you can't ask on the Savage Podcast. I have a confession to make. A couple weeks ago, I was in Indianapolis. Uh, which I believe is in Indiana. I'm not sure. I'm not, I can't consult my atlas right now. And there was a guy, kind of thuggy, scruffy, straight guy, walking around downtown with a couple of his friends. Uh, and I was walking around downtown because I was restless. Uh, and it was a beautiful night. And he was walking around uh, with his shirt off, uh, engaged in a little display behavior, a little, you know, look at me. I'm a dude. And, you know, flirting with the girls. And... I came up behind him like walking down the street and I noticed that he had straight, straight, holding the girl's hand actually, he had a tramp stamp uh, that was right above his waist uh, and his pants were kind of sagging and so you could see most of it. And it was one of these sort of kind of tribal tattoo-y design-y things that look a little bit like uh, inverted pyramid that kind of points down into your crack. I wanted to tap you on the shoulder and let you know that – that sort of tramp stamp is kind of a a landing strip for dudes who want to fuck your ass. Those were totally gay tattoos uh, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. Gay guys were getting them to sort of acknowledge that their assholes were entries as well as exits. And it's a little weird and disconcerting. It's like uh, to see it on, on, on someone like this straight guy walking around downtown Indianapolis all night. It Just like when straight people started getting nipple piercings. Straight guys started getting nipple piercings. And it was just a little – Oh, weird. Uh, you're welcome to appropriate from gay culture, whatever you want to appropriate from gay culture. But all we would ask is you're going to appropriate you know, our nipple rings and our assless chaps and now our tramp stamps is that you sign off on our full civil equality, which you actually haven't done in Indianapolis. I, think, I don't think that's too much to ask. If you're going to take our fuck my ass tramp stamps from us, we should be able to take your marriage licenses from you. Your call's after this. Fire TV is the ultimate adult video experience with over 15,000 movies featuring all your favorite stars. Find your perfect scene and watch it on your TV, computer, phone, or tablet. Go to FireTV.com now and sign up for free to see the world's hottest girls in the world's hottest films. That's F-Y-R-E-TV.com. This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the Internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 75,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature, including fiction, nonfiction, and periodicals. For a free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com slash savage. Hi, Dan. Uh, a 20-something-year-old, um, and I had kind of an interesting question. I am identified as straight, but I always kind of had weird feelings for certain specific kind of guys. Um, I was, I was kind of raped and molested as a kid and that kind of sucks, but it's always kind of pushed me away from actually experimenting with, um, men. I have, I always get weird and skeeved out when I'm around older guys. Um, I always feel like they're trying to fuck me literally. And, uh, so it's kind of freaked me out. But recently, you know, I've discovered your podcast and I've been listening to some of the back episodes and really kind of inspired me to call and kind of get your opinion. Uh, I've never gotten uh, professional help to kind of work through my, you know, stuff. 
I've always kind of liked the idea of actually working through by myself. So now, you know, I actually do enjoy sex and, and you know, I'm, I feel that I'm close enough to happy, healthy guy, I guess. But, um, what my question is, is should I actually go get, um, professional help or, you know, should I do kind of like what I did when I wanted to start having sex with women, which is just, you know, fight through the awkwardness until it feels good. Yeah, go get professional help. Absolutely. Couldn't hurt to talk about this with someone else at greater length. Uh, I would say just a couple of things. You need to know that, you know, some people will say that you have the sexual interest in men because you were molested, because you were raped. Um, and you need to bear in mind while you struggle with this issue uh, that there's a lot of evidence that sexual predators, male sexual predators, who are interested in uh, male children will target gay and bi male children um, because then the kid will you know, feel conflicted. They'll often feel inhibited about uh, asking for help or reporting the abuse lest they attract attention to their own sexuality uh, and their own conflict about their own sexuality. They'll often blame themselves uh, for the abuse because they feel that they somehow brought it on themselves or sought it out because – you know, they are gay or bi, or they often will feel deeply conflicted because they may on some level have enjoyed – God, the calls are going to pour in now – enjoyed the abuse or welcomed the malattention even if uh, the sexual abuse was horrifying and scarring. So you need to exonerate yourself and your sexuality. That, that you, It sounds like you may genuinely be bi – and you were also a victim of abuse, perhaps because you were bi, but you're not necessarily bi because of the abuse. You don't have sexual interest in men necessarily because of the abuse. But these are things you want to unpack with a therapist at great length. And you say you toughed through it with women. Well, because you have these negative associations uh, with men, because your past experiences with men involved you know, rape and abuse, you may not be able to just plow through it with men. You know, when you – if you – Seek out you know the particular kind of guy you're attracted to and uh, initiate some sort of sexual contact with that person. That may function as a trigger to some you know past traumas that uh, sex with women didn't trigger because women didn't sexually abuse you uh, when you were younger the way men did. Uh, all of these things again you should discuss with a mental health professional at great length before you make a move. Hi Dan. I love your podcast, and I've been reading your column since I was a little baby dyke in the Midwest. Um, now I'm a grown-up lady, and I have two questions for you, both technicalities that pertain to unicorns. First, I was wondering, do you have any insights into when unicorns became this new queer mascot? It seems like it's a pretty recent cultural phenomenon. I'm just wondering if you have any idea about where it came from. And the second question is, have you heard of the term hungry unicorn? refers to a sex position, but I'm not sure how commonly the term is actually used. Um, thank you so much. I would date the emergence of the unicorn as a sort of symbol of gay pride uh, to, let me see, exactly July 8th, 2007, which is when the first episode of Planet Unicorn was uploaded to YouTube. In the year 2117, an eight-year-old gay boy named Shannon found a magic lamp. He was granted three wishes. The first, a fur jacket. The second, a flying car. And the third was a planet full of unicorns. This is the story of that planet. 
A gay boy wish for a planet full of unicorns. Planet unicorn, unicorn planet. Give it up for feathers. Ooh, Cadillac and Tom Cruise. Oh, planet unicorn, hey. That's when it took off. Unicorn planet. That's when feathers, Cadillac, and Tom Cruise burst onto the scene and suddenly unicorn planets, unicorns, pink unicorns, ambrosia salad uh, were officially inducted into the gay agenda. As for the hungry unicorn, according to Urban Dictionary, it is, quote, a gay sex position where one male puts a strap-on dildo on his head. He sticks it up the other male's ass while looking, sucking his balls. Here's what you need to know about this. It doesn't happen. Well, it probably happens. You can buy these strap-on dildos that you can, like, strap onto your leg, or you can strap it onto your forehead and fuck somebody with it. But there's nothing gay about it. Everybody has foreheads, right? And, you know, a woman could do this to a man. A man could do this to a woman and lick her taint instead of her balls. Uh, So it's just one of those things that people like to invent and talk about because they like to, you know, have gross out things that you know only gay people do uh to make us more sort of scary and different than we actually are i think we're pretty scary and different enough you don't have to invent you know gerbiling stories and hungry unicorns Uh, but give it up for feathers cadillac and tom cruise Fire TV is the ultimate adult video experience with over 15,000 movies featuring all your favorite stars like Sasha Gray, Brie Olson, Alexis Texas, Tori Black, and more. Find your perfect scene and watch it on your TV, computer, phone, or tablet. Membership is totally free, and all new members also get the Fire TV exclusive Wealth and Deception in their library as a bonus for joining. Go to FireTV.com now to see the world's hottest girls and the world's hottest films. That's F-Y-R-E-T-V.com. Hi. I was just um, inquiring, very drunk, actually. My friend, who is a homosexual, is actually making out with a straight female, and I was wondering if this is okay if they're drunk, or should I be worried? So, what the fuck do I do? Oh, they're doing it right now, yeah. Well, I, and I, I have no idea what to think of this, because they're making out, and is he still straight, or can you do this drunk? Thanks, bye. <laughs> I was having a drink last night in a bar with somebody who's gay who had full-on vaginal intercourse with a girl to win a bet. He's still gay. Uh, There's nothing necessarily sort of shattering about making out with a woman or having sex with a woman if you're gay to win a bet or alarm your gay friends. He's getting – what he's getting out of this isn't you know the sexual charge of making out with somebody he's attracted to but the attention that you're paying to him right now. This is about – Attracting attention to himself. And, and, and it worked. Here you, you, you called me. You talked about it. Here we are now talking about it on the podcast. And this opposite sex pseudo hetero makeout session has now been memorialized for all time on a Savage Love cast. Congratulations to your attention seeking gay friend. Hey. Hi, Dan. I'm 16 years old from Rhode Island. And um, basically, I just came out to my mom a couple weeks ago. Not by choice, but um, because she kind of pin me in a corner and I had to answer and not lie anymore. Um, I plan on coming out when I was done with high school because I go to a private school and my parents have to pay for it. So I was kind of worried about being kicked out, which they are threatening to do. Um, But basically what my question is, is that 
every time we have an argument, when we talk about it, we haven't in about a week now, we talk about it, her main argument is that being gay is unnatural. You know, and I try to explain to her that if that's how she feels and, you know, I and I try to explain to her how I felt when I grew up and how I've had crushes on girls and, and all this stuff, but she just doesn't want to hear it. And then her second argument for that is that science, science was, uh, biologically, it's incorrect in how women and men are supposed to procreate and all this bullshit. And I'm trying to tell her how, yeah, that may be scientifically right, but that's not how I feel and that's not how I fall in love with. And But she just doesn't want to hear it. And I'm just kind of lost as to what else I should tell her or if there even is an argument for that. Um, and I've tried to talk calmly about it, but she just doesn't want to hear it. And I just need some advice on what else to tell her. I, I've told her, I've, t- I've been calm about it, but I don't know. I'm really sorry that your family is reacting the way that they are. It's not fair to you and it's cruel. And I wish I had, you know, I could wave a magic wand. I also wish I could talk to your mother uh, about what she's doing. Um, you're not being kicked out. No, I actually, I told her that like, that was one of my fears for like coming out. Um, but no, she hasn't kicked me out or anything. Okay. Do you have a dad who lives at home? No, well, I have a stepdad. My dad lives in Cranston. So. Okay. Does your dad know that you're a lesbian? Well, my mom actually told him. And but, yeah. how's he being about it? Um, he kind of just sides with my mom, um, but he hasn't. He's kind of awkward talking to me about things because we're not really that close. Okay. So well, it's perfectly natural, you know. As I think Alfred Kinsey said, the only unnatural sex act is one that cannot be performed. Um, you're, there's a book called Biological Exuberance. You know, the argument that a lot of people make out of ignorance is that, you know, animals don't do this. Only people would choose to be gay. And there are there's lots of evidence of uh, homosexuality in the animal kingdom. Uh, and humans are animals. And you're one of the, you know, gay animals out there that God created uh, just the same as all the straight animals <laughs> that God created. Yeah. Um, and also, you know, the procreation argument. There's, uh, you know, billions of people on the planet. There's plenty of people who are busily procreating. Uh, you know, most of the sex that a straight person has over the course of her life is for intimacy and pleasure and release, not for procreation. So your sex life is going to function just the same as a straight person's sex life, absent the handful of procreative attempts uh, that, yeah. a, that a straight couple might make. Uh, and there's nothing about being a lesbian that precludes you from procreating. Mm-hmm. There are lots of lesbian parents out there. The The problem, though, is, you you know, if you're 16 years old and you're in this position where your family is reacting perhaps very negatively, you're not in a position where you can really push this and get into screaming fights with them and win these arguments, lest they retaliate against you in a way that could really fuck your life up. Right? Because they could throw yeah. you out. They could pull you out of school. They could pack you off to some horrible uh, ex-gay therapist mm. and really fuck you up. So I think the best thing for you to do right now is to just be a little bit deferential. You know, let your mom have her tantrum, which is what she's having. You know, you're out to her now and a lot of parents react negatively at first. Uh, mm-hmm. Let her have her tantrum. Give her some space to and time to adjust and encourage her to go to a flag meeting. Have you talked to her yeah. about PFLAG yet? No, but I actually looked that up um, online actually a couple of days ago, and they canceled the meetings that they have for, like, southern Rhode Island um, because, I guess, P 
people weren't attending, so I don't, I don't really know. Well, if then, I could, like, contact them. You know, I, I have a there's a P flag of Greater Providence, and there's an email address for them: P flag Providence at Verizon dot net. There's also a P flag in Warrington, the P flag for South Central Rhode Island. And the email contact for that is epbonetti at cox.net, cox.net. If those chapters are defunct or not meeting, look around into the next state because there's a lot of PFLAG chapters that are very active. And you can find other parents who might be willing to talk to your parents. If if not in person at a meeting, then through email or online or on the phone. Yes. And um, another thing too, I wanted to like – discuss this with my aunt because she actually I know she has a couple of gay friends because of like family parties we had well that she's had and I've seen them and stuff but I told my mom that I wanted to talk to her about it so at least like she can maybe like convince my mom to be you know a little more uh, whatever um but she won't even let me tell anyone in my family like especially my aunt like she wouldn't she she won't allow it well she can't stop you and you can you can go to your aunt and you can say, I need to talk to you about something and you need to – and I have to beg you you know, in advance. You have to promise me that you're not going to talk to your sister, my mother, about what I want to yeah. talk to you about. And if your aunt you know, is a human being and is gay supportive, she won't rat you out to your mom. You need to reach out and find adult support where you can find it. And I would reach yeah. out to your aunt right fucking now just in case your mom does throw you out. You're going to need a place to go. And if your aunt is a you know a decent human being who loves her gay friends and isn't you know wrapped up in this anti-gay bigotry that your mom's wrapped up in right now, but she can grow and she can change, then she may be where you wind up. She may be the person you have to call if your parents do throw you out. You know, for other listeners out there, forty percent of homeless teenagers are LGBT kids who were thrown out by their families after they came out or were outed to their families, um, and it's a real problem and there aren't a lot of places for LGBT kids who've been thrown out to go. So you need to be smart and strong right now and line up that place to go if things become unti- you know, things become intolerable at home. Yeah. And so don't defer to your mom's you know, idiotic and hopefully temporary uh, you know, fit uh, mm-hmm. that she's having about your sexuality by isolating yourself. Uh, from the support that may be out there for you in your family. Reach out and get it because you may okay. need it. Right. But you, you. But I, I want to just emphasize again that, you know, your parents can come around. Have you been to itgetsbetter.org? Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. You'll see that there are videos there from thousands of people whose families, whose parents have the same reaction that your family is having and whose families have come around and are very supportive now. So when you look at your mother, try to see who she's going to be in five years and don't get too wrapped up in your anger at who she's being right now. Yeah. Okay? Yep. Good luck and I'm so sorry and this is your hero's journey. You're going to come through this and you're going to be fine and your family's going to come around and this is the yeah. nader. Don't make, don't, please don't make the mistake of believing as so many you know queer kids your age sometimes do that it's always going to be thus that your family will always be stuck in this place and you'll always be stuck in high school and you're never going to be in a place where people love and support and celebrate you for exactly who you are because you are going to get to that place you're going to make that place happen for yourself yeah i know i I will good good luck yeah, hi, Dan. I'm calling uh, my partner and I. We really love the idea of cuckolding, and we've we've really enjoyed quite a few 
very hot times together, imagining scenarios that would be something where I have a date with another guy and then my partner would have the humiliating role of cuckold. He'd prepare me and perhaps serve the two of us refreshments or even, you know, assist in the sexual activity. So we're looking for some advice on actually trying this out. And um, we want to find, you know, how do we find a relationship with that really has the kind of right level of intimacy? So we're... Um, we're in the position we have, you know, plenty of support and friends who practice polyamory and kind of non-monogamy in various ways. And the two of us have enjoyed, you know, several scenes, you know, of various sorts. So we're in a world where we feel like everything's possible, you know, if we can be clear about what it is that we want. Um, so we've kind of looked around. There isn't anyone that's currently in our social circle who, or that we're already connected with that seems like a good, who would be like a good candidate to be our um, sort of cuckolding partner. So we've been looking for such a person. So we've tried a couple of sex clubs. Um, we found them interesting, you know, more like an anthropological study, but not exciting, you know, so rather kind of off-putting socially and sexually. Um, it just feels like a big orgy, and we don't know people. Um, so we've also tried Craigslist, and we placed an ad, and we got a lot of responses, and we had a fun time reading through them and then choosing the top five candidates and contacting one and even going on a coffee date. But it really feels kind of awkward and presumptuous. Um, like, you know, it feels like we're advertised a job and we're interviewing to fill it. So we're just um, kind of been reflecting. And I know for me, um, you know, I really want to connect, you know, through ideas and having fun and humor or doing something together. And then that connection can become sexualized. But I don't feel comfortable, you know, coming on to people or, leading with a sexual request or sort of doing this kind of interviewing thing. So I just wanted your advice on how do we find a situation where we, we're going to meet folks that are likely to be open to cuckolding but avoid getting into the interviewing dynamic too soon. So what, you know, we're kind of thinking we'd like to find somebody who would become an ongoing boyfriend for me, um, but someone we generally like being with and then have this playful sexual dynamic with as well. Um, so we're, not really looking for a three-way marriage, but kind of a boyfriend. Here's how you do it. You meet somebody you want to fuck, and you explain to him how it is. The end. You meet somebody who wants to fuck you back, and you explain to him, look, I'm married, but we're kinky, and my husband uh, is a total cuckold, and you can totally have my ass. You can fuck my pussy. You can totally have... A FWB friends with benefits relationship with me and just I will fuck the shit out of you constantly. There just has to be something in it for my husband and that's you being kind of a dick to him and humiliating him a little bit and treating him like a cuckold. The end. That's all you got to say. It, you don't have to vet or interview. You, 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 your process is making the sound for the potential uh, you know, bull, as they say in cuckolding circles, uh, about as much fun as a fucking root canal that they're like auditioning for the worst job in the world as opposed to they're going to get to do this. They're going to get to fuck you so long as they tag the base of rubbing your husband's nose in it, which is the whole cuckolding thing. And there's going to be guys out there that dig that. There are guys out there who advertise all over Craigslist as you know guys who are seeking cuck couples. Uh, you might want to look to a few of them. If you're really picky and choosy, it's just going to take a little longer to find the guy who works for you. But you're way overthinking this. Find somebody you want to fuck who wants to fuck you. Tell him what the deal is. See how he reacts. If he reacts positively, Yahtzee, you win. If he reacts negatively, repeat as necessary until you meet the right guy. 
This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 75,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature and featuring audio versions of many New York Times bestsellers. For listeners of this podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook to give you a chance to try out their service. One audiobook to consider is The Hunger Games by Suzanne Collins, narrated by Carolyn McCormick. For a free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com slash savage. That's audiblepodcast.com slash savage. Hi, Dan. I'm a mid-20s gay guy in Canada, and my question isn't actually for me, but for a friend of mine, also a mid-20s gay guy in Canada. The problem is that a while back, he told me that he has a latex allergy and that he's been buying sheepskin condoms. I tried to explain to him that uh, sheepskin condoms are a bad idea for a gay men because they only are rated to protect against pregnancy and not against STIs. But uh, so far, he hasn't believed me. And uh, I've tried to explain to him as well that there are other options that do protect against STIs, like polyisoprene and polyurethane condoms. But he's convinced that these are just latex under a different name and that uh, if he tries them, he'll have the same kind of reaction that he did with latex. So I'm hoping that uh, you can say something on your podcast about uh, what options there are for gay men that uh, have latex allergies and still want protection against STIs and STDs. Thanks. Love your show. Your friend is wrong. He needs to be using latex condoms or polyurethane condoms. Uh, Lambskin condoms, while effective against pregnancy, are not recommended they even say so on the packaging uh, for disease prevention. So your friend is being very, very foolish, and uh, he should listen to you. And if he won't listen to you, uh, pop your earbuds into his head and maybe he'll listen to me. Hi, Dan. I'm a 29-year-old straight female. I have been in a relationship for several years. Um, very great. But lately it's been somewhat annoying Um I feel as though my boyfriend has possibly got some, like, Madonna whore complex going on with me, where he can't talk about sex when we're together. But it's literally all he texts me about, and we never do it. Never. Nothing ever happens. Um, I've gotten to the point where I stop initiating because he doesn't seem to want to ever do it, always with some kind of excuse. And I'm to the point where I just don't want to even talk about it because it's seriously like a philosophical conversation rather than a practical conversation. You can tell me all the number of things you can do with pussy, but you're not going to do any of them, so let's not talk about it. Just kind of interested um, in your opinion on that and um, make sure I'm not crazy for finding this really, really frustrating. Thanks. Why is he still your boyfriend? Why haven't you had a conversation with him that went something like, look, put up and out or shut up and get out? He sounds like a mess. He sounds wholly inadequate. Uh, are you sure that these you know, sexed texts are coming from him and not coming from inside the house or somewhere else? Uh, you know, He talks a good game. He's all talk, no action. Get the fuck rid of him. He's not making you happy. He's making you self-conscious. Uh, somebody who has those kinds of Madonna whore hangups – uh, makes for a lousy long-term partner because you gradually become all Madonna, no whore. And all Madonna, no whore is no fun. So get rid of this piece of shit already. 
Dan, I am a 19-year-old male. Um, I just got out of a relationship of like seven months. It wasn't a big deal. Uh, I thought I loved this girl, but it was just big, stupid infatuation. Anyway, come to find out she had been basically cheating on me our entire relationship. And, well, <clears throat> we were like really sexually compatible. And that just, I heard that and she told me that and it literally weirdly and surprisingly turned me on. Um, not in a good way though. Like I wanted to, you know, like, you know, hate fucker. And I did. And, uh, that's been going on for about a week. And basically the end result is I hate fucker and I leave and I feel like, uh, I feel like shit. It literally makes me feel awful, but the sexual tension is so high and I'm, I just feel like hypersexual. It's really good sex. I really enjoy it while it's going on, but the emotional effect, I, I feel like I'm answering my own question, but the emotional effects are really, really intense. Um, I don't want to appear weak. Do I talk to her about this? Cause I, I, I really want the sexual relationship to continue. So, um, do I speak to her about this? Do I continue? Am I like a fucking cuckold or I don't know why I'm turned on that this girl, uh, was fucking other dudes while she was with me. Um, dominant one in the relationship. So I just, I really don't understand. I need your advice. Uh, thank you. I wish you'd left a phone number. I'd like to get you on the phone. Uh, you know, if you read books about swinging and swinging culture and uh, evolutionary biology, uh, a term that comes up frequently is sperm competition and sperm competition syndrome. Uh, and people who are swingers, there's actually a great book called The Lifestyle, A Look at the Erotic Rights of Swingers by Terry Gould that you might want to read, which really goes into and unpacks at great length this idea of sperm competition syndrome. Which is, you know, if a, if a male mammal is away from his female and he returns, uh, you know, his reptile brain will assume that she has mated with other men and that there is other uh, other men's semen uh, is present in his woman's uh, vaginal canal. And uh, he will become more aroused and have an orgasm of uh, greater intensity and volume uh, of, you know, output of spunk um, to flood out the, the the semen of other men that may be present uh, in his woman, you know, to press his, you know, to press his, to make sure that it's his kids that she will bear. And uh, Terry Gould in his book uh, theorizes that what organized male swingers do, you know, they watch other men have sex with their wives and they're sort of consciously manipulating the sperm competition syndrome response and then having more intense orgasms when they then take their turn and mate with their wives. Um, you may be tapping into that, into that sense of sperm competition syndrome. The fact that you perceive her to be you know, stepping out on you and cheating on you, it doesn't mean that you're a cuckold necessarily. You're not tapped into the humiliation of it all. Just you know, your reptile brain is working harder at sex and taking more pleasure in sex and pumping out more spunk and ejaculate in the moment and having more intense orgasms because you flipped the sperm competition syndrome switch or she has hate fucking, you know, if you hate fucker and you feel bad and I wanted to, I would love to be able to ask you what that looks like. Exactly. Are you abusing her in some way or is just the sex really animalistic and passionate 
and unleashed in a way now that it wasn't before. Because you're now having sex without a presumption of this being a love match or there being any sort of hope for a future with this woman, you're probably being very unselfconscious about your interests and your desires and your taking of pleasure. And there are studies that show that people who are actually kind of selfish in bed are better lovers, that the sex is better when one or both people are after what they're after. Uh, both people find it more enjoyable than if somebody's like being very concerned for the other person's pleasure because they love them so much. There's all sorts of things that could be going on here. You know, if you like her though, if you love her and this news that she had cheated on you aroused you in this way, maybe you need to revisit, you know, your assumptions about what it is you want in a partner. And it looks like what you might want is not to be cuckolded or humiliated but to be in a relationship that's kind of like the one you're in now with this girl where all the cards are on the table. It's not monogamous. She sometimes bangs other dudes, tells you about it because it turns you on, and then you fucking go at it, the two of you. If you can forgive her for the lying and the misleading and the betrayal and then perhaps thank her for what she helped you learn about yourself and about what you enjoy and what really turns you on – because of the lie, because of the betrayal, maybe you guys can have a relationship again. Maybe you two are a match. Hey, Dan, it's Ashley, and I had a quick question for you. Um, me and my boyfriend, we just had a baby, and we never had sex anymore. Um, I was wondering how I can fix that. Also, he will not go down on me at all ever since we had our baby. So, uh, a couple of questions. How long ago did you have the baby? Um, I had her seven months tomorrow. Well, congratulations on your baby's seventh month birthday. Have things improved with uh, the boyfriend? Um, Not really. How long have you guys been together? Almost two years. And the baby was a mutual decision? Yes. Well, she she wasn't really planned. But we both agreed to keep her and take nope. care of her, and we got back together. Not planned, but welcomed. Yes. Okay. Uh, was he at the birth? Yes, he was. Was he watching? Yes. All right. Well, here you go. <laughs> Everyone talks after uh, you know a birth that it sometimes takes uh, the mom some time to bounce back, and you know, we- and men need to be patient and. If it means rubbing it out for six months or a year, uh, almost exclusively, that's not too big a sacrifice to make considering you know what the new mom has been through and what she's sacrificed and what she's recovering from. Yeah. Same sometimes applies for guys, that sometimes okay. it takes them a little time to bounce back and recover. Uh, it may take him a little time to begin to see your body again as and your vagina and your, your vulva as this thing that's yeah. – for him and his and he feels some sort of ownership over without getting too creepy about him owning your body or you owning his. I think that runs both ways. You know, I feel a certain ownership yeah. over my partner's body and he feels a certain ownership over mine. And we're both dudes. I'm not trying to like tap into any sexism in the culture. Yeah. But he saw your vagina open up and spit out a human. Yeah, I wouldn't want that either if I saw that. And – you know, it's a wonderful thing for partners to be there and be present and help out in birth, but sometimes that can fucking knock someone sideways. And I've heard from lesbians who've had the same reaction, who were in the birthing suite with their lesbian partners uh, when they gave birth and were just completely sort of 
gynophobic for a little while, and it took him a little time I, for those images to fade. Now I understand. Because it was a real shit show down there, wasn't it? Yeah. And that's they wanted. They wanted me to see it, and I was like, "No, I'm good." And you made him watch it. He wanted to. Okay, well, he probably regrets it. And you know, the first step toward recovery is for him to be able to open up and be honest about that and say, okay. oh, I got wigged out. Uh, so <laughs> you, should, you should initiate a conversation with him where you say, look, I miss you going down on me. I miss sex. I get it. Like my body may seem like this alien human being spitting out thing to you right now. Uh, just let's get that on the table and talk about that and burn through it. And it may be the first few times he goes down on you and relearns to take pleasure in – eating you out, that that has to be in a very dark room. Okay. <laughs> you know? A very dark room. Okay. So that he can, you know, learn to feel his way around with his face again uh, and okay. not have to necessarily, you know, make eye contact right away. Okay. But be patient. And uh, as he should be, you know, if the shoe was on the other foot, you know, if you were breastfeeding and it had been a traumatic birth and you were not wanting to use your... Uh, genitalia for anything right now, I yeah. would be telling him to give you the year, year and a half, however long it takes, be patient and give you time. And the same goes for you. I mean, our sex, like, it has, like, gotten back up to where it used to be. Like, we were having sex every single day. And then it just slowly went down to, like, once every week, once every two weeks. Like, it slowly went away but now, but now we're starting to get back up there okay well good then your, your patience is paying off and you should just it's have just you, the going the going down you should just have an honest yeah. conversation and say what's the deal did he used to love to go down on you yeah did he used to make his dick hard to go down on you yes okay you need to say this used to really turn you on now it doesn't that have anything to do with watching that human being fly out of my vagina probably i get it and I want yeah. us to crawl back to where you see my vagina as this thing that's totally for you and about you and about our shared pleasure, blah, blah, blah. And it might help him if he can just talk about that reaction. Okay. That might help purge those feelings and mental images. I think I might actually do that tonight. Good luck. All right. Thank you so very much. And we're going to leave it there. 206-201-2720 is the number here at the podcast. Give us a call if you want to leave a question or comment for a future show. You can also go to thestranger.com slash lovecast to leave your comments. Once again, that number, 206-201-2720. Me and the tech savvy at-risk youth. We'll be back at you next week. Another installment of the Savage Lovecast. Thanks for downloading. <laughs>